Turn the Irish into dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that one. <laughs> Turn it up. <laughs> no. It's a classic. A French-Canadian classic. <laughs> no. No. What are... The only French-Canadian song, and you already know, is that I know is Degeneration. <laughs> oh, yeah. The one about getting an abortion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a banger song. Ton arrière-grand-père a défriché la terre. Yeah. <laughs> Man, more people should listen to that song. Alouette is like a Parisian French song, right? Yeah. So I think Frère Jacques is, too. I had this stuck in my head for so long. Frère Jacques? No. Well, okay, Alouette, <laughs> and then I was singing it, and then Mike was like, what about Frère Jacques? And then he was like, is there, I wonder if there's a trap room that's a Frère Jacques, and then there were like a hundred. Of course. Bumping <laughs> trap room of <laughs> Frère Jacques. I really like that freestyle rap of Over the Caillou theme song that that guy did like 10 years ago. That was dead. My pussy bald like Caillou, my weed loud like Caillou. <laughs> I, I'm good, how are you? Yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> I'm a stupid bitch. I'm a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Dumb Bitch Media. Hello, my name is Ev, at No Money No Honey. And I'm Sophie, at Bingo Daddy. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I did a spot last night. Yeah, you did a spot. It was crazy. It's bad. Um, it actually went really well. It shouldn't have, because I didn't expect to do the spot. Mm-hmm. And it was at the ones. club. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a club spot in a long time, but I have one tomorrow, so it was good to do it on Sunday. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. And I got some pretty good feedback from people, which was nice because mm-hmm. I did a lot of new jokes. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. How are you? Um, I'm well. I've just been, like, doing trad stuff. Yeah. Just cooking, basically, my entire life away I work today. I keep getting yelled at on the phone at work, which is crazy because I don't even do really work in customer service. Yeah. I just have to, f- f- like, field the calls sometimes. Like, people call and ask for me, and then it's like... People are just directing their frustrations at you because you're the first person that they speak to. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm just, like, I'm... It doesn't satisfy me enough to be cunty in, like, a professional way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, normally, like, I just maintain composure, but, like, am as curt as I can possibly be while still maintaining professionalism over the phone. Straight up, if someone's really demanding of me in an email, I'll just send them whatever they're asking for with no message. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cunty. I know. <laughs> you best. Think, you really badger me. Just the attachment with your e signature. My at the e yeah. yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I pretend like I can't. Like if I'll get people that call me at work trying to book rooms and they're like really really rude to me. Mm-hmm. They're like not giving me the information that I need. So I'll just be like, sorry, you're cutting out. Send us an email. 
Because it's like you're you're being impossible to work with. Yeah. If people are really being annoying, I'll just transfer them directly to my boss's voicemail. <laughs> In the middle of the sentence? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Nonlinear warfare. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, speaking of nonlinear warfare. <laughs> oh my god. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Because it's all anybody's talking about this weed. Actually, lots going on this weed, but yeah. because it's like primarily what's weighing on everybody's conscious online and in real life this week is the potential war with Iran mm-hmm. due to Donald Trump's nuking of um, Soleimani. So we've decided to touch on it, but. I mostly want to talk about kind of the way that people are talking about Iran versus obviously doing like a politically scientific analysis, which is obviously not what you all come to a podcast called Dumb Bitch Media for. I mean, maybe you do, but that's your problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's your business. Revisit that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... One of the primary sticking points of the discourse this week is um, people seem to be shocked with the limited amount of time that it took for there to be a turnaround in terms of people expressing shock to people going directly towards uh, making jokes and making memes yeah. about a potential World War Three or dodging the draft, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really know why people are surprised because it's obviously known that a lot of people cope with discomfort or negative emotions through comedy, right? Or through humor. Yeah, that is definitely something that I've seen that people were expressing that they, they cope and then, you know, there was a... A kind of a call and response to that where people were saying that um, like white Americans don't have to, shouldn't have to cope with the war in Iran because realistically they won't be in large part the people who will be harmed by it. Like the people who should really be worried and having anything to cope with are like actual Iranians and people who have right family over there I mean yeah but (laughs) I do think that it's hard to say that like you know people don't have the right to be upset especially because a lot of the people that I've seen making jokes are yeah sure white but Mm -hmm. extremely young yeah teenagers right and Mm -hmm. for a lot of them yeah, if you're American, they were probably born during the Iraq War, but mm-hmm. this is the first time that they've actually had to contend with the idea of, like, an active war that yeah. was started during a time when they were, like, sentient. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't really particularly agree with... You always remember uh, your first. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> don't you? Of course, of course. <laughs> Um, Mine was the Gulf War. (laughs) I'm I'm a million years old. (laughs) 
I'm trying to think of what what combats were. I guess like obviously I, Afghanistan I was around for like Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, but. I don't want to, like, intend to moralize and, like, either say that I think it's, like, correct or incorrect for people to to make jokes. I think that the people who were freaking out and being, like, I'll unfollow you if you... I see you liking these jokes, jokes yeah. about Iran or whatever, and it's like, okay, let's not all be the joke police. Yeah. Obviously, when anything becomes, like, central to kind of the public conscience, it's going to result in a a lot of, um, like, public thought. Yeah. And essentially content creation. Of course. (laughs) It's just, you know, like... That's the way the media cycle works now. Exactly. If there's, like, as soon as some huge news piece strikes... And even if you look at, like, let's say Donald Trump winning the 2016 election. Sure. Obviously, like, people would say unprecedented event, but, like, a huge deal in in the media. And it, this is, like, the election that launched a thousand think pieces, <laughs> satirical comics. People were, like, talking about how easy it's going to be for comedians to work mm. after the election of Donald Trump, blah, 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 right? Yeah. If you look at everything through that lens, it's like... On one hand, it's kind of disgraceful and disrespectful because, like, we touched on last week, it's kind of like people stirring... To have a take. To have a take. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, it's only natural... That if you are working through complex ideas and sometimes affiliated emotions that you would end up externalizing through whatever means of creation that you have available to you, right? Whether that's ship ship posting on Twitter.com or... TikToks. (laughs) Penning lengthy essays. (laughs) Yeah. For the New Yorker, blah, blah, right? Writing poems, God help you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, I kind of prefer the memes to, like, someone trying to come up with some, like, really galaxy brain take about it, you know? Like, I saw this TikTok. It was, like, this, like, 15-year-old boy, and he's, like, doing this TikTok where he gets a draft letter, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, really sad music, and he's reading it, and it's, like, POV, like, you're my girlfriend, and I'm getting drafted to World War III. (laughs) And he's reading, and he's, like, babe, I'm going... They're sending me to World War Three, and he keeps saying it like World War Three, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> He's like one of those dangly earrings. I was like, "Okay." Do you think it was a bit? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I just I sometimes I find that the way people make jokes about stuff is a lot more genuine than any sort of take. Yeah, if it engages with people. And it also, like, okay, like, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, like, every joke has a body. Mm-hmm. So I think as long as the body of your joke isn't, like, civilian Iranian citizens. <laughs> yeah. The, like, it's if okay. you're making, you want to make jokes about the U.S. military or whatever, fucking have at it. Yeah. I don't care. Make your little jokes about 
fucking army wives while their husbands are deployed. That I don't think that that's that's fine, harmful or like not justified. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the worst take that I saw was pictures of people holding protest signs where they were protesting the new king with signs that talked about Donald Trump being a draft dodger. How would his... <laughs> that's, fuck, that's a jealousy brain libtate. How would <laughs> Donald Trump's draft dodging have any tangible relationship to whether or not he he would nuke... He never went to war, so he wouldn't know what it was like. Oh, that was their point? I yeah. thought they were going to say that he, w- he had... Um, he was being like ideologically inconsistent as he was formerly not warlike and now apparently he is but i was I think just, it's both <laughs> i was just thinking that like dr- dodging the draft doesn't necessarily indicate that you're not warlike in a lot of cases it can just mean that you're rich and lazy yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong i think dodging the draft is fine and cool but historically a lot of it's rich been people. the practice of rich people have been moving the pins while like essentially like the proletariat has been dying on the front lines of course <laughs> although without draft dodging we wouldn't have gotten my favorite band heart they're draft dodgers they came to canada to dodge the draft that and then released their first album under a canadian around. label they're ladies though um, the other guys in their band. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're ladies, but... <laughs> guys, where's Jane Fonda when we need her? <laughs> we need her to to stay alive and... We need her to sit on a nuke in, a, <laughs> in Iran. Exactly. Exactly. I did also uh, think that it, it was kind of important to talk about people getting served an instant ban from Twitter when they posted the picture that said no war, uh, no war on Iran. Yeah, that was fucked. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of people were surprised. But I always think it's important to remember that Jack and Mark Zuckerberg and all of these other platform capitalists like obviously don't have your interests no. in the... F- the front of their head like obviously like they're taking money i don't know why people think the internet is a place where you can exercise free speech it's absolutely not if you have an account on a website that's like being on private property like anybody can ban you from their private property it's the same thing with a website yeah and it's you can appeal but that doesn't mean they're gonna let you back in no and it it (laughs) sucks that you can build this whole thing. It's such that you can build this thing in general, but it's such that you can build this whole thing and then have it taken away from you. Yeah. Obviously. But you have to remember you never owned it in the first place, which sucks. Yeah. Because it's you. Because you don't feel like that's the way it is, but it is. Like, you can say whatever you want as long as people don't notice. Yeah, that's why <laughs> it's ideal to have a 60 follower locked account. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, you you don't own what you post. Nope. And we have to remember that, like, it is against the interests of, like, 
larger powers, whether they're governmental or like interests of capital, like corporate interests, for us to stir political unrest mm-hmm. or massively um, spread ideas that would result in people having mass discontent with the policies of these corporations or governments. So obviously things like anti-war protest content will get taken down much faster than like, for example, abusive, abusive racist Rah rah America content. Yeah, like every time, nine times out of ten, corporate interests always align with whatever political body is in power, and and vice versa. Like obviously, yeah. like it's chicken night yeah. because it's where the money is. Yeah. Anyways, on a less depressing note, speaking of where the money is and <laughs> eggs, <laughs> wanted to talk about Dupe Lab. Mm. Gwyneth Paltrow's soon-to-come Netflix television series, a jump-off from her lifestyle blog and recipe book series, Goop. Does Goop stand for something? I think it's like a nickname that her father gave her something I don't know if that's true. Let me double check before I just... I've never, like, really thought about it. I just don't understand anything about Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Oh, God. What is it? According to Paltrow, the company's name came from someone telling her successful, successful internet companies have double O's in their name, and she wanted it to be a word that means nothing and could mean anything. Much like Gwyneth Paltrow's entire existence on this earth. <laughs> what are they basing that double O's thing off of? Google and Facebook? Book is a word already, first of all. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's in like the, the reply guy business lab. Like She's like, oh yeah, by all means, let me just fucking crowdsource ideas from like the replies on my Twitter account, my blue check Twitter account. Someone seed through these. There must be something fucking genius in here. She's like, what should I name my little company? Goop. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's initials with two O's in the middle. There's a, I don't know if they're affiliated. There's a sunscreen company called super Goop. Ew. Disgusting. I know. If you're already sunscreen averse, it's not referring to it as goop isn't gonna. Okay, I have a question. Mm. I thought goop was all about like vaginal rejuvenation. That's one of the main things. It's mis- it's, it's like a is it a lifestyle? <laughs> the goop uh, lifestyle. Doing things to your vagina. No, like goop. Like is it like <laughs> <laughs> doing things to your vagina is a lifestyle? But <laughs> um, goop is about. Like, any lifestyle brand, it's, like, encompassing, so it has to do with, like, keeping your home, like, home decor, cooking, women's work, basically, fashion. It's like Joe Fresh. I guess so, yeah. (laughs) This is what all these female celebrities do when they're, they're washed up. Yeah. They have a large enough fan base. 
of um, people who like read in style magazine or something. And then they, like, this is what Blake Lively is doing now. I'm pretty sure, like, the Olsen twins started a, I think, a jewelry brand and a perfume line. Yeah, they just, like, have enough fans that they can do a little bit of everything badly. Honestly, the Olsen twins have really good perfumes. I'm sorry. Yeah, they do, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. I'll say it. <laughs> you heard it here first. So this Netflix show, like, is it is it, like, inside the actor's studio, but for Goop? Okay, I'm gonna read the description. Please do. Yeah, so it's all wellness stuff. It's pseudo pseudoscience that markets to you like it's basically like an expensive and innovative way to have an eating disorder and feel bad about your body, including your pussy. Right, it's like pussy crystals and mouth lube. Yeah, it's like it makes you think things like, should I be swishing coconut oil? Around in my mouth. Should I put iodine on my every, stomach? Every day. Like, am, am I not doing the thing? And it's like, it just creates... There's already so much of, of like, a, a culture of all these extra things yeah. that women have to fucking do in a day. And it's like, every year, it seems like there's just more stuff that you have to do. And if you're not doing it, people are like, oh my god, you don't do charcoal and you're like what <laughs> i didn't know I, we were doing charcoal have i been supposed to have been doing charcoal this whole time this is obviously <laughs> right but you don't you don't use coconut oil as lube yeah, no, don't you I, know I, it's I the only natural also guys that's not tr- don't do that it's, i'm gonna like okay the, this is my my jihad against natural products you know it's it's wide reaching i know it's not because I just, it's not just because I hate the environment, um, <laughs> but no, I'm kidding, I don't hate the environment. It's just because something has been like labeled organic. Organic is a meaningless word that has goalposts that are constantly changing. There's no consistent measure of, of what organic, organic or natural or... Even people would say, like, you know, if you subscribe to the Jamie Oliver school of thinking, you could be like, oh, I want to eat whole foods. Okay, as changing your eating habits go, it's not a bad one. No. Obviously, it's pretty reasonable. But then it's like, I don't want to read anything. I don't want to eat anything where I don't know what the ingredients mean. But it's like... That doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad for you. It could just be a fancy science word for something that you definitely know what it is. Yeah. And, like, if, even with, like, you know, when stuff's labeled non-GMO, like, there's no consistent industry standard for what non-GMO means because GMOs, like, <laughs> like okay, don't eat bread then. Yeah, and there's don't no... Don't eat corn. And there's no, like, backed evidence that GMOs are are even necessarily bad for you. And I would say that, like, on the whole, it's probably a positive thing if we can make better use of 
like the agricultural resources that we have in order to make more of a better product. And I know that that's putting money in somebody's hands, but in terms of food availability, obviously that's a net positive. Did I tell you about the fight that <clears throat> happened at my cousin's wedding? Because there was two people there who worked at Mon- for Monsanto. <laughs> no. Did people throw hands? Almost. Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who fought? Oh, my aunt got in a fight with these two people that worked at, at Monsanto. And she was just, like, going off about GMOs. Oh, my God. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> just such, like, an older white lady thing yeah. to freak out about. That's another added layer of thing that you're supposed to care about. Like, you're su- everyone's supposed to be on a weird diet. Mm-hmm. You're all supposed to feel bad about your pussy. Everyone's supposed to be doing all these things, yeah, <laughs> to yourself and your body and there's there's like every day there's a, a new thing that you're supposed to put on your skin mm-hmm. or in your hair mm-hmm. or a new way that you're supposed to be not using traditional cleaning products a new workout routine yeah what is it now i think we're still on lifting okay we're on lifting now yeah resistance training yeah i miss pilates yeah, I miss, like, um, that machine that you would stand in with the belt around your waist and it would just, like, shake your Okay, waist that you. was, like, at least 20 years before you were born. It came back. <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah, it did. What? Yeah. Remember shade waves? Yeah. I like those. Skinny teeth. I had one. I can't wait to sell out on this podcast and fucking drift for skinny tea, tea that makes you shit yourself. Honestly, like, could be fun. Um, yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow is just such a wet rice noodle of a human. (laughs) She is. Yeah. She's contributed nothing. What, what was she even famous for in the first place? Shakespeare in Love. She won an Oscar for it. That was seriously what it was? I think so. Her parents are famous. So she's yeah, she's a rich. legacy. She's always been rich. Yeah, which is why she has she has this quality of like when I say everyone's supposed to be on a weird diet and like doing all this stuff to your skin, it's infuriating because it's kind of like the same way where if you read a fashion magazine, it's like these models are like it's like what's your beauty secret and they're like oh I drink eight gallons of water a day and I grow a cactus and I break off one of its leaves and I pat it all over my face before I go to sleep and that's my little little secret secret, right and all of these women are obviously like getting all this work which is like kind of a subtextual requirement of being in the public Mm -hmm. eye they're expected to have well, they're expected to look a certain way. Yeah. And it's not the cactus leaf that's doing it. It's the money. Yeah. Well, it's like the the procedures that are afforded by the, the money and necessitated by... The media. <laughs> the, yeah. The fame and, and also by the money. Like, rich women have this psychotic language... That they they speak to each other, mm-hmm. um, and I, I was telling you about this, but like I got accidentally seated at the head table 
with my bosses and their wives at like my work Christmas party. And my boss's wife walked in and she's like beautiful. She's in her forties. She weighed, I would, I doubt she weighed 90 pounds. And she was like, I don't wear, she's like, I just dropped back from vacation and I wore my first one piece ever because it's just one pieces for me now. And I was like, fuck, this is so sad. Uh. And she told me that she only drinks tequila because she lives a plain lifestyle. And tequila comes from a cactus, which is a green plant. So that like fits into her lifestyle. It's like clean. Honestly, she's very cool. But like, that's like the whole thing of being a rich woman is that they continuously perpetuate this cycle of like consuming luxury goods and wellness products like they invented yeah. wellness and wellness is like a status symbol they know it's a itself. fallacy to it but they keep perpetuating it anyways but i don't know if they do have you ever talked to a woman like yeah a woman who's between let's say like 38 and 55 they're all on some psychotic yeah true honestly maybe you just don't like you lose touch what would your uh wellness secret be if you had to share one you think i look like i do wellness (laughs) i'm better than i'm better than all those bitches because i at least i admit to having a face full of botox and fillers (laughs) so that's the secret (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I yeah, I can't act like I've, I've ever I oh, I've definitely been on weird diets, but it was never because I thought it was healthy. No. No. You know, like I've been vegan, I've been low carb, I've done clean eating and everything and it's like at the end of the day the only thing that really makes a difference is how many calories you're eating yeah if you're trying to look a certain way the only thing that i think really makes a difference in your health is um like whether or not you're consuming like balanced meals yeah when you're hungry getting sleep yeah basically (laughs) fine fuck let's talk about ricky gervais redacted Mm-hmm. Gervais. And the Golden Globes in general. Yeah. How many fucking times has he hosted the Golden Globes now? I don't know. He's hosted lots of stuff. Which sucks because he's like annoying and insufferable and I don't know why he still <sighs> keeps getting work. He's fucking unfunny. You know it's because he's British. Literally. People don't... You don't have to be funny if you have a British accent. No, you slap a British accent on any hack joke and then you know he just says it in kind of like a cunty way and then people are like oh my god his his incisive dry wit yeah apparently he said like jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself and everybody was like whoa yeah just just like everyone was like waiting for um people were waiting for a joker to say society in the movie literally like we get it (laughs) it's like a meme (laughs) it's crazy that he i guess was allowed to say jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself on national tv like i guess but it's just like annoying because he was like he said it and then he's like oh but all you guys were friends with him anyways and it's like bro you're also rich you yes. think you think Ricky Gervais never committed a sex crime? Oh, he absolutely. Ha- I I don't know if he's horny. 
Okay. Oh, he's so gross. Okay, I hate Ricky Gervais. I'm going to come out and say it. I don't... And I always think of myself as the type of person who, like... I try not to be an across-the-board hater. Yeah. You know? Like, if I tried to not let my prior thoughts about somebody color every single thing that they do and like try to isolate Mm -hmm. their specific options and like weigh them yeah (laughs) but i don't think that what ricky gervais did was like so heroic okay so like he gave this speech where he essentially said like come up get your award shut the fuck up about politics that's not what you're here for nobody cares what you have to say fine Okay, on one hand, he's right. Yeah. Continuing my jihad on actors, I don't think that they should speak. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they contribute. I don't think that they have useful political commentary. No. Mostly. For the most part. And, like, a lot of people would be like, if you have a platform, it's your responsibility. Right, but who's watching it? I don't... (laughs) People who care about the Golden Globes. 13-year-old boys who don't know their day. <laughs> and people who are still with her. Absolutely. Yeah. I disagree that it's your your responsibility to use... Your platform. Your platform. I think people should just do their jobs. But on the other hand... I don't think that you should necessarily silence people. It's very like people are being nostalgic about 2003 or whatever, but it's very um, Natalie Maines and the Ditsy Chats being told to shut up and sing. I mean, yeah. During the George Bush era. <laughs> I, I feel like that was different though. Okay. Why? Because... Musicians are smarter than actors. No, <laughs> well, they are, but... Um, no, because when that happened, like... First of all, they weren't in the U.S. when it happened. They were touring. She mm-hmm. was asked a direct question mm-hmm. about what she thought about yeah. George Bush. Right. She answered the question. She didn't mm-hmm. go out of her way to make a statement. Yeah. And then, so she answered a direct question in an interview. Mm-hmm. And then everybody in the band got railroaded. Yeah. So, to like, people are applying that to, like actors who are what supposed to be going up on stage for five seconds to accept an award and being like oh they're being silenced just like natalie mains was in the dixie chicks it's like okay where were you in 2003 i promise you you didn't care yeah that's true and i I do different i do think that it's like masturbatory and you should really just try your best to spit out your thank yous yeah. Because it's such a lawn ceremony. I just think that art can exist for art's sake, and it doesn't always have to be about this larger picture thing. Like, if you don't have anything to say, mm-hmm. don't. That, okay, yeah. That, that's, like, hugely frustrating. And I was thinking about that a lot with, like, the Iran discourse. Like, I, I tweeted, like, you know, I'm going to get fired from, like, the Tate factory because I'm not... yeah putting out my like mandated content about every current event that happens but the reality of the situation is you don't have something i know this is ironic coming from me a person with a podcast but (laughs) you 
don't have to provide comment on every single thing that happens. You don't have to provide comment on things that you're not versed in. No. And people who are smarter and funnier than you are already expressing their thoughts. So let that happen. Yes. No one needs your specific thought. No. I really, I really do resent the comparison to the Dixie Chicks, and I know we were just talking about this, but the reason I resent it so much is because I just think that there's a huge difference between one rich guy telling a bunch of other rich people sitting inside a theater that they don't need to provide commentary on current political stuff mm-hmm. is completely different from someone being legitimately threatened and going up, having to go up on stage wearing a bulletproof vest because if they don't perform, they're going to lose their sponsorship. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In a conceal and carry state. Yeah. You know, I just don't think that it's a valid comparison and I think it's really reductive. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I I think that just like, um, obviously like it's, it's everybody's right. And like, we're, we've stand John, Jane Fonda, like up and down and all around on this, this podcast. Um, but I think that her activism always existed like alongside her being an actress and if you've always had politics and shit like that's honestly that's fine yeah but if you've adopted it because you think that it's the thing that you should do actors or musicians or artists do now where they they take political stances and they do this is not normal and various like vote blue no matter (laughs) or whatever the fact that we like our entertainment system is even delineated into people who are like we know to be aligned red or aligned blue is really crazy when you think about it when obviously the smart move is to never be political and let people guess at it in order to not deny yourself work or fame yeah, that's the thing is I just don't see any of these people losing anything for what they're saying. Like, you know, Jane Fonda like did not work for a long time because of her choice to be, you know, be vocally anti-war mm-hmm. because they still had studio contracts when she was first working, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, fucking, I hate Ellen DeGeneres, but mm-hmm. like her coming out as a lesbian, like, really did lose her a lot of work. And, like, yeah. people that are, you know, going up on stage accepting a Golden Globe and being like, this is not normal, like, mm-hmm. fuck President Cheeto. Like, they're not putting themselves at risk of anything. And yeah. it's, it, it renders it meaningless to me. They're not doing anything brave. They're not saying anything that's all, not already been said. That's exactly, like, what we're talking about. They're not contributing anything, anything new. And it's not coming from someone that we look to... For, for political analysis yeah. or um, anything statements. Yeah. Um, it's like, I read this thing about how like art was really meaningless after the 2016 election because all art was just like political mm-hmm. propaganda, essentially. It was like meaningless because everybody was doing the same thing. Right. Like liberal propaganda? Yeah, like basically. It renders it meaningless, built-in. Hashtag resistance art. Yeah, exactly. There's also so much... Like, it's impossible to divorce any of that from 
um, kind of like the identity politic of <laughs> like the person who makes the art being like an act of resistance in and of it's like, you know what I mean? Like how people would be like, for example, in the Trump era, being a child of immigrants, for example, who makes art would be considered political. Regardless Mm -hmm. of what the content of the art is. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people's work has been politicized or people have tried to politicize people's work without necessarily their their permission or like their um, expression of that intent. Yeah. Which I also think is unfair and like obviously talking on my ass here but like because of like essentially postmodernism, when anything is put out into the world it's open to a million different interpretations, interpretations yeah. right so it's like yes it's true that nothing can be truly put out that's like truly apolitical but it's still cruel to <laughs> constantly remind artists and creators of their various marginalizations because you want to be seen as a promoter yeah of previously silenced voices right yeah yeah exactly it's like uh when that person on twitter was like if you want to be a better ally to people of color follow more people of color Mm -hmm. it's like people don't exist for you to observe and learn from them it's a human zoo. Yeah, that's, that's it, what it is. In my opinion, like those those are the types of tapes that are so woke that they circle around and become <laughs> being unwoke. Unwoke because it's like you're saying you're like studying <laughs> studying people of color, and then you're uh, you're combobulating all of these things in your brains, and then you're producing tapes like Black Twitter ain't having no Bernie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, how is that really? that far separated from like the mass colonial project of for example putting black people and native people in museums exactly in like the UK (laughs) it's not (laughs) honestly like the instinct to want to observe people who are from a culture that's different of your own is natural and not evil but to make such a deliberate process of it rather than to just make friends with all sorts of people is uh disturbing yeah i think it is insidious <laughs> to like um give in to that instinct yeah and and there's always this like kind of you hear this a lot where it's like oh i, I don't I always look to see if somebody has any any black friends or any mm-hmm. any you know like friends of other races, friends who aren't white, whatever. Um, and it's like, of course, it's not a good sign unless someone lives in an area that's like 
just yeah. really white or whatever. Um, but on the other hand, do you want white people going out and specifically setting the goal for themselves to mate a black friend? Yeah, to be like, I have one Indian friend and one black friend and one Asian friend and one gay friend. <laughs> so I can say lots of different slurs. Literally. <laughs> I have all of the passes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was listening to Drum Circle Jerk. Yeah. Last week, and they listened to the video of Riley Reed rapping. Oh my god, stop it. And they talk about how she says that she's taken so much black dick that she has a pass. Ugh. I know, I know. One of the worst things that Mike ever said to me when we were first seeing each other was that uh, she reminds him of me in that video. Why? He said energetically, and I was like, but I don't see it. <laughs> Got this all out. Obviously. Yeah, I will. <laughs> we don't look, we have really similar body types. We yeah, don't look not face, similar though. in the face. Not at all. all. No. But men. Yeah, it's all the same. They only see yeah. hair color and relatives. Okay, should we talk about the internet? The internet. The internet. The internet. The internet. The internet. Okay. You, <clears throat> why don't you go first? I've been talking too much. Okay. No. I have a beef this week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a comedy beef. Oh. Do you want to talk about comedy beef? Tara. Yes. What? <laughs> I'm celebrating. I'm excited. Um, I think that it's really fucked <laughs> that a local person who's done four sets decided to produce a show and is asking people who have been on the show before to submit tape. Oh. I'm sorry, we have to talk about this. Yeah, I, I did text you, and uh, <laughs> I was so close to being like, submit tape to a show that I've already been on As a that hub. isn't even a good show. I've featured and hosted, hosted. on Me that too. show. And I did stand-up uh, and improv. I've done all, <laughs> every possible <laughs> iteration of that show. Yeah, yeah um... It, no thanks. I'll fucking submit tape to be on that show when I like eat my own fucking underwear. It's not gonna happen. No, it's just like especially offensive to me because it's like okay, you don't know what you're talking about, so why would you need to see tape? What are you gonna get from it? It's just like you don't know what you're talking about, so why would you need to see tape? What are you looking for? You don't know anything. The reason why she needs to see tape. Well, first of all, like, this show's gonna be, like, uber woke. Yeah. So they're, like, we'd love to have first-timers on. It's, like, hey, this show is gonna be trash, which it already has been. Like, fair to see tape if you don't know the person, I suppose. But... But the reason why this person needs to see tape from people, aside from two, she literally said, let's see what you're doing now. They want to check and recheck people's jokes to make sure that they haven't added anything... That's unwoke. Unwoke. Yeah. To the... To their sets, mm -hmm. which is crazy because I think that you can tell. I mean, I was a little bit risque. Me too. To do either, <laughs> to do that show either. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you, you were too. We were probably on the on the fence on the on the fence of people they would book or not book. I used to be friends with the former producer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reason why this person needs to see tape 
of people that they're booking is because they're so new to comedy that they're not going to know anyone who's asking for a spot or know what their jokes are. True. Yeah. This person doesn't even go to shows. No. Good for you to get fucking... I guess anyone can produce a show. Do not take this as some sort of, like, promotion or anything. No, anybody, you don't have to be a comedian to produce a good show. No. But you need to uh, know... A lot about comedy. A lot about comedy. <laughs> you need to have seen a lot of comedy. Comedy. You need to be familiar... With the scene. With the scene. Yeah. It's just, it's offensive. <sighs> it's really offensive to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, like, when someone said, like... Oh, you know me already. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same stuff, mm-hmm. and for them to still demand that they send in tape, yeah, and they were like, lose my number, and they were also like, "Did you, congrats on uh, thank you for writing." It's like, yeah, I did it just especially for your little shitty fucking show. No, no, fuck no. Thanks for asking. <laughs> fuck that. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? If their goal is to run this show into the ground as quickly as they possibly can. They're on the right track. And the problem is it always fucking sells out. Yeah. Because there are a bunch of woke fucking nerds mm-hmm. who want to go do this thing and shyly clap along. Yeah, it was already a brutal show anyways. fucking comedians. Because yeah. the audience is bad. The comedians are normally, like, mostly new people, which makes it hard. And honestly... It's going to take a while for them to run this show into the ground because people will keep going even though it's bad because they want to prove that they're woke. So they're like, oh, a feminist comedy show? I'll go and then it's going to be bad and then they won't say anything and they'll go again. But everybody has limits. Yeah. And the other thing that I find insulting about this show and like I have this problem with like a lot of all women shows. I don't want to get booked just because I'm a girl, first of all. Second of all... I don't think they should be running all women's shows where that's necessarily the selling point. I think if we want to promote the idea that women are funny, women are, you know, like there's still unfortunately like a lot of very archaic ideas in comedy and like from comedy fans and just the general population that women aren't good comedians, women aren't funny. Um, it's a disservice to female comedians in this scene that we're not, when given the opportunity to put on an all-female lineup, putting on the funniest fucking women in the city. Yeah. It's, there aren't enough lady comedians in the city to have a regular all-women's show. All women's show because you're going to end up putting on a lot of shitty fucking comedians and a lot of new people. Well, it's like when you're booking a comedy show, mm-hmm. who are you booking? The funniest people that apply. Well, there are only 10 working yeah. girl comedians. Yeah. I was explaining city. to someone last night what happened to us last November with that stupid Yuck Yucks show that was the all-women's when show. I bombed on an all-women's show. <laughs> so did I. That we got non-consensually booked on. Yeah. <laughs> and it was horrible. Yeah. Rest in peace. You have a beef this week? I do. So my beef is like pretty conceptual. Okay. Both of my beefs are pretty conceptual. Right. But I'm only doing one. Okay. So. You're going to pick one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've been seeing kind of in like the sphere of the internet that I participate in, kind of a lot of pushback 
against people being trad or like acting okay trad or to quote the people who are pushing back against it like purporting to be trad so like for example i saw a tweet that definitely made the rounds and uh, was retweeted by um, crazy people everywhere that said getting married in your 20s is a mental illness i think it's like getting engaged Getting in, sorry, not getting, even getting married. Yeah. Getting engaged in your twenties is a mental illness. And I also saw another tweet that was like, "I wonder what's responsible for all these e girls acting trad as of late." Don't worry, I bet you'll be engaged soon. Yeah. So it seems to be part of like a project of a, a larger kind of rhetoric where I think obviously traditionally that's why it's called trad women were like supposed to keep home and cook and be domestic obviously Mm -hmm. um and then there was kind of like a large swing in the other direction where people became girl bosses yes obviously like and started kind of rejecting like the home and like outsourcing things like eating and cleaning and laundry, uh, childcare. Exactly. Um, and or like just forgoing all of that sort of thing altogether and just, you know, very sets in the city, like living off um, pre bought salads and martinis and yeah, not even having children, etc. And then I think as of late, like people have been really, especially young people, really been <laughs> like searching for comfort and kind of a reprieve from a work and isolation and independence and urban life. And I think pe- things are kind of skewing back towards where. Possibly a, a middle ground where people are feeling, like, attracted towards, especially, like... Stability. Exactly. Like, young women are starting to get back into cooking yeah. and being domestic again. And now I think we're starting to see kind of the beginnings of... I'm not saying that it's going to swing back the other way so quickly and a lot of people are still at kind of the sex and the city magazine in turn yeah urbanite convenience lifestyle point but i think that things are kind of swinging back the other way and people are starting to vocalize their dissent or their distaste for people acting trad yeah because they feel like it's some sort of attack against their own goals. It, their own goals or, you know, possibly... I think the, this could be two prongs. So I think the, the, like, getting engaged in your 20s is a mental illness thing is very indicative of someone who's having, like, a lack of romantic success. Yeah. <laughs> and it's getting retweeted by a lot of people who are experiencing a lack of romantic success and kind of expressing disillusion. Sure, yeah. With, like, committed relationships. And then on the other hand, where it's, like, making fun of e-girls acting trads and being like, I'm sure you'll all be engaged soon. I think that's deriding women for 
pretending to be domestic yeah in order to attract trap a man attract a mate exactly so it's kind of two separate things but the larger idea is like the denigration Mm -hmm. of young women wanting to be domestic and expressing that they want to obtain that lifestyle or that they're living that lifestyle online (laughs) i think yeah i think people are just finally starting to acknowledge that like domestic labor is valuable Mm -hmm. and that it's not shameful to be good at those things because not everybody's good at it Mm -hmm. um so i think you know we're seeing more people kind of i want to say performing just because it's like outwardly performing that Mm -hmm. ability because people are finally realizing like oh this is actually something that is a, like a successful mating strategy which is fine like mm-hmm. you know like everybody wants not everybody most people want companionship mm-hmm. and you're not going to get that by being a independent girl boss that don't need no man yeah and i, I, I <laughs> definitely like, i i think also that like People are sharing this stuff online the same way that people share any other hobby or interest that they have online. And it's like, it kind of like, if the critique is that it's a mating strategy, what the fuck do you think shitting on these girls and being, quote, not like other girls is, a cool girl is, if not an alternative mating mating strategy? strategy. If, If, like, the two... Like, if this is, like, a false dichotomy that's divided into, like, girl who's being trad online and, like, cool, irony gamer girl. Yeah, those are both uh, different variations of the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I also think that, like, these people are all... What I don't understand is, like, these people are all um, left aligned where they're at least in circles of of left twitter yeah and if you're working on a project of i would say like socialist feminism or you would say that that aligns with your goals i don't think that you should be denigrating things like young women obtaining domestic skills because I think that a lot of people are turning to baking as a reprieve from like the constant drudgery of being beaten down by work Mm -hmm. and being forced to turn to convenience foods or hunger. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, ultimately, like, the self and one's, like, private life, one's domestic life is what suffers under, like, the reign of neoliberal girl bossery. Yeah. Like, if you would call yourself a socialist and a feminist, you should be critical of things that, uh, like, that remove you from having the time to spend on yourself on yourself and you're with your loved ones yeah of course (laughs) and you know like i just want to be clear that this type of stuff doesn't extend only to like heterosexual relationships no of course not 
I mean, listen, guys, like, I have to be good at cooking and cleaning because, like, work it really isn't for me. <laughs> like, I'm really trying to <laughs> lock it down. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. And I also think that um, it's it's important to note that, like, my feminism. It, like these same people would turn around and shit on the other version of the e-girl, which is kind of like the half-clothed, dirty mirror, dirty bedroom, selfie-taking e-girl versus yeah. the like making homemade canned goods and baking e-girl, e yeah. right? So like my socialism in, like encompasses both girls with OnlyFans or my feminism, sorry, encompasses both, like, girls with OnlyFans and girls who cook to roast beef every Sunday and girls with OnlyFans who cook to roast beef every Sunday. Am like, I right, ladies? <laughs> am I right, ladies? I don't think that... I think, first of all, again, it is, like, a false... Dichotomy. Dichotomy, yeah. but also... Um, I don't really understand what people are really critiquing Wanting. here. Everyone yeah. has to eat making I know it's my hobby so I'm like possibly being self-protective here but I think that taking the time to make nice food and share it with people is like an extremely important aspect of community building and it's not something that I'm interested in or that I feel confident in um being derisive of sure I mean like, for you it is, but at the end of the day, the whole mm -hmm. thing is that this is just another example of the way that women are constantly critiqued for anything that they do yeah, by it, other women. Exactly. Right? Like, it doesn't matter whether you think cooking is important or not. Why do you have an opinion about it? Yeah. At all? Okay, <laughs> so you... Yeah, that's exactly it. You're doing shout on on both sides of the coin. Yeah. You're doing... Uh, you're being a quote-unquote ethot... You're getting shit on. Yeah. You're being trad. You're getting shit, shit on. You're getting shit on. And it's like, I would look to people to try and, like, confirm if they have any sort of, like, established stance. Yeah. Like, if they always critique one type of thing or one type of behavior. But then I look at it and I'm like, if they're critiquing both of those things, they just hate there's women. no logical consistency. Exactly. These people are just across the board fucking haters who are too cool to admit that they that like insecure. that they like doing anything exactly yeah. and that they're just interested in like a project of systematically breaking down other people who are just trying to live their life and do their little posts yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so if right? anybody who's listening to this podcast is saying that we're insecure just remember that we have very consistent takes <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. Bread and OnlyFans. <laughs> Honestly, I just don't think it's, like, embarrassing. And then, you know, like, that, uh, embarrassingly enough, like, I did think, like, oh, should I stop? Should I stop posting when I make food? But then it's, like, some people who I like and who I really like, like, seem to enjoy it when I post food related content i would post other interesting stuff if that's what i happen to be doing i post about books that i read or movies that i watch or if i'm going on a hike or something so why would i 
I think it's hard to <laughs> remember hard. sometimes that the Maybe internet is about you and not about other people. Mm-hmm. It's about your own experience, you know? And it's, everybody feels entitled to everyone else's internet experience. And it's like, don't look. It's just so easy to get wrapped up in... You have to remember that to these people, everything is cringe. Yeah. Everything is embarrassing. You can't enjoy anything sincerely. Like, it's like the deepest form of irony poisoning. That must be so depressing. It seems depressing to be a hater. Honestly, it really does. Get well soon. Um... Anyways, so, and also, again, just to, like, hammer home my initial point, getting engaged in your 20s, you're not even young in your late 20s. I would have, I would be fine with that tweet if it was, like, getting engaged before 23 or 22 is a mental illness. Because then it's, like, kind of funny. It's, like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, whatever. and I, maybe, you know, like, you're a little bit young to decide who you want to spend the rest of your life with when you're, like even under 25. Yeah. Maybe, but you're a full-blown fucking developed adult. I would when say you're in if your you're 24 20s. and over, fuck it. Sure. Yeah. Like what else are you doing? And also, <laughs> and also for the the second the second thing that was like I'm sure you'll be engaged soon. It's like why are you insulting people for like being good partners? Obviously, that is how people, like, get engaged. secure long-term relationships is to maintain a continuous project of being a good partner who does things for the other person in the relationship. Yeah. And a lot of the time, that does involve um, domestic tasks. Yeah. Like cooking or well, cleaning like for somebody. Posting about cooking on the internet isn't mm-hmm. going to get you engaged. Mm-mm. Because you're not posting for that person. You're posting because you enjoy it and it's something that you want to share with people. So it's like well, yeah, that's stupid a, to say. That's exactly it. It's like my my boyfriend gets to eat all the delicious yeah. foods that I make. He's not going to enjoy you posting about it. Like that has nothing to do with your relationship. He doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, should we do Dumb Bitch of the Week? It's time for Dumb, Dumb Bitch of, of the Week. week. So... Give it to me. I have one that is from Instagram. Instagram. And this person said, it's just a good old simple plain to the point. They said, can I show you my nine inches? Is it Subway? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Again, people keep throwing these numbers. Men love numbers, you know? They're like, can I show you my seven and a half inch dick? Can I show you my nine inches? It's like, let's no. get up there in the numbers and then we'll do some talking, you know? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want to see your penis, even if it's 12 feet long. Yikes. That sounds medical. <laughs> yeah. Elephantitis of the penis. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know why people think that that's gonna work. It's like I can just Google <laughs> nine inch <laughs> penis. <laughs> big, 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 big. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, now I know what your dick looks like. I'll just Google white nine-inch dick. (laughs) Imagine if men were, uh, if women were the same as men, like, you know how heterosexual men, like, they, before they, like, really find porn, a lot of the, a story that you hear is that they'll just doodle, like, big boobs. Oh, I did that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, can you imagine if straight women were like that and they were just at home uh, doodling big dicks? Formative. Formative experiences. God, that would be fucked. <laughs> Alright, let's All do right. tweets of the week. Cool. My tweet of the week is from at Helen. Very funny. Very funny. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. I'm sorry, but can comedians please be hotter? Bro, we have to look at y'all. That's true. Yeah. 100%. That's how I feel every time an ugly male comedian gets on stage wearing sweatpants or shorts. Yeah, when I wear sweatpants or shorts on stage, it's sexy. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have to perform femininity for you. It's a political statement, yeah, exactly. when you do it. No, it is so offensive that people don't give a shit what they look like yeah. when they're going up in front of other people. On the plus side, I guess it makes it easier to consistently always be the hottest person on any show. Okay, yeah, true. <laughs> like, don't step up your game. But, like, yeah. remember when we went to the comedy awards show? Oh, God. And we knew how bad the outfits were going to be, and we were right. It was brutal. Some people couldn't even be arsed to wear... No, like, people tried, and I was like, okay, that's an ugly suit, but, like, Mm -hmm. it's you you have. You wore a suit, yeah. You know what I mean? And then people people showed up in, like, track pants. I was like, okay. No. (laughs) We're not doing that. Yeah, that's not allowed. Um, My tweet... Of the week is from, <laughs> and it did go viral, so maybe I shouldn't share it, but whatever. It's from <laughs> Kenzie at Ken's Hadley, and it's kind of aligns with the, the theme of my dumb bitch of the week. Okay. And it says, um, small dicks matter, just not to me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> they matter. Really, but not really for me. <laughs> That's a good one. I didn't see that. Very funny. I know you normally always know my uh, my tweet of the week, because I either send it to you or retweet it. And yeah. You see it. Yeah. Yeah. Kept that one close to your uh, close to your vest. I did retweet it, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. Very very funny. All right, guys. I guess we will sign off. Yeah. For now. We uh, talk to you guys soon. Subscribe to our Patreon for some exciting stuff that's coming up. We've got some mm-hmm. new Discord access for Patreon-only people. Mm-hmm. Um, some bonus content coming out. Also, you can buy our merch. Mm-hmm. Ooh, like your Hot Rights t-shirts. Hot Rights. That's right. Yeah. All right. Bye.